Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G'day, Lynn. Thanks for having me back, Jan. Um, I feel like taking yet another risk. The, the people demanded it. The people said we need more Lynn Doe on this podcast, so Lynn Doe, they got I'm glad the rent a crowd um, online version worked as well, all of those emails that were sent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, big thank you to all of our new Patreon subscribers this week. We had an influx of Patreon subscribers. Veronica Cable, Claire Jenkins, William Donaldson, Bryce Roney, fellow comedy producer Carrie Hardy from Serious Comedy and legendary energy transition megabrain Simon Holmes Court is supporting us on Patreon, which is awesome. We finally cracked the 50% mark for paying uh, for some of the costs of this show, which is great so if you want to contribute to the patreon head on over to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear uh you know what if we get to 100 percent of the costs uh, we can start paying for other things like our guests uh or you could swap me out for a better host like osha gunsberg or john stewart or or lucille ball you know someone like that Irrational Fear is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair Dickum, and Section 44. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, after showing more leadership than the entire Republican Party, the Milwaukee Bucks have launched an exploratory committee to run for President of the United States, making Giannis Antetokounmpo the first player to win, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, and the US presidency all in one season. And Tony Abbott is appointed a trade negotiator for the UK. Under Tony's watchful eye, Great Britain can expect to run a deficit of boats, but enjoy the biggest surplus of knights, dames, royals and onions than ever before. And now it's illegal to lie in political ads in the ACT, which rules out Clive Palmer from ever running for office there. At current estimations, it's the 28th of August, 2020. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Daniel Litch. Let's meet our fear mongers for this week. She does more podcasts each week than the Department of Health does COVID tests. It's comedian, tea drinker and accomplished banjoist, Alice Fraser. Hello, Dan. Hello, Irrational Fear listeners. Uh, I'm feeling particularly good today. How do you manage to fit us in with all of the professional talking you have to do each week? (laughs) Oh, you've got to relax sometimes. You're the holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And even though he's the husband of a national treasure, it doesn't make him immune from the online trolling from the Australian House of Representatives Twitter account. It's the senior writer of the weekly, James Colley. Hello, thank you for having me. Now, Colly, what's it like to be cancelled by the Australian Parliament House Twitter account? Well, considering I'm in Melbourne lockdown right now, I've been cancelled by every level of government all the way up to the top. (laughs) (laughs) And she promised me she would shower before coming on the podcast. It's fellow Bertha Challenge Fellow and Climate Change Communications Perseverist, Lynn Doe. Welcome all. Thanks for having me. I have showered, so hopefully um, that comes across in my voice. Uh, It's quite clean. I used a lot of soap. We're good to go. No rude words. Big episode this week. We'll be covering civil unrest and the RNC in the USA, the culture war crusades in the UK, and walking down the middle aisle of Aldi here at home. And our big feature interview this week is with New South Wales Minister for Environment, Matt Keane. He's a Liberal Environment Minister doing his best to help the environment. So we'll ask him, what's it like to be an endangered species? But for First, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode of Irrational Fear is brought to you by Craig Kelly's Craigspace, the all-in-one platform from MP Craig Kelly that makes it easy to create your own conspiracy theory website. With professionally designed templates, you'll be able to show the world how to cleanse yourself of coronavirus using nothing but Panadol, a footy sock and Pino Clean. (laughs) With drag and drop functionality, it's so easy to tell everyone how your 30 minutes worth of research at the National Library has debunked the 108-year-old institutional knowledge of the Bureau of Meteorology. Craig Space, so easy that even a humble backbencher with no formal training in epidemiology can do it. To get 20% off your next conspiracy theory website, use the offer code hydroxychloroquine truth. That's H Y D R O X Y C H L O R O Q U I N E T R U T H. Search for Craig Space on 4chan. Do your own research. Look it up. Well, it's always great to have Craig's money. Um, All right, let's get stuck into the fears. Fear number one. Since the Sunday Times reported that last week that the BBC had planned to drop Rule Britannia and Land of Hope and Glory from the last night of the proms due to their un-PC lyrics, it's been the UK's most closely watched Will They, Won't They since the time that Dawn kissed him at the office Christmas party. It seems that everyone in the UK has an opinion on this. Alice, you have spent a lot of time in the UK. What is going on there? Is it political correctness gone mad or is it something else? entirely. Well, so what has happened is that Boris Johnson has been accused of cynically attempting to provoke outrage in the culture war by criticising the BBC over their decision to play Royal Britannia and Land of Hope and Glory at the end of the proms without the words because of the references to the slave trade. If you don't know the proms, it's like prom in American schools, uh, except nothing to do with school or students and more of a week of music concerts (laughs) with some banger karaoke sing-alongs like Jerusalem and God Save the Queen and thousands of people sing along to classical music because you're party like it's 1899. (laughs) For Australians, it's like carols by candlelight, but with champagne and monocles. (laughs) 
This year, of course, because of coronavirus concerns, the concert will be very different with many fewer performers. Concerns about how spitty horn sections in the orchestra can get. Hot tip, extremely spitty. And no audience to sing the words anyway, whether they decide to have words or not. Here's a hint. You can sing along at home and nobody will know whether you're singing the words in a racist way. Uh, in oh, Sorry, <clears throat> singing the words in a way that patriotically celebrates the good things about British culture or, as the vast majority of people who sing along at concerts do, singing the words wrong. As we all know, <laughs> the actual lyrics of Rule Britannia are Rule Britannia, Britannia, rule the waves. La, 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 waves. So I've been singing it absolutely correctly the entire time. Is that what you've been saying? <laughs> Well, I could tell you about how nobody really cares about this, but then somebody said patriotism and now everybody has a strong opinion about what these songs are celebrating and how toxic it is or isn't. Uh, Boris Johnson said, I think it's time we stopped our cringing embarrassment about our history, forgetting that he is the inducer of the most cringing embarrassment about our present. And... uh, He asserted that the British people need to, quote, stop this general bout of self-recrimination and wetness. Now, we know from the reaction to the Cardi B song that many Conservative figures disapprove of wetness. (laughs) And I am tempted to make a cheap joke all about uh, how wetness disappears in the presence of Boris Johnson, but I'm better than that, you're better than that, and we all know he meant wetness in the flaccid British private schoolboy vernacular sense and not in its diametrically opposed female moistness sense. People then spent hundreds of hours arguing about how cynical they thought this move was by Boris, how distracted from the main issue they were or weren't, and whether the BBC are A, pandering leftist quizzling betraying the glorious spirit of the British people, or B, actually quite fascist really and only pandering to the leftists in order to conceal the hideous fact that they're actually fascistic bootlicking authoritarian kinksters with a penchant for being whipped by private schoolboys over a mahogany desk with your face buried in a bowl of Eton mess while an oil painting of a Mitford sister and Safari suit watches disapprovingly. (laughs) Sorry, what was the policy we were talking about? (laughs) Labour MP David Lammy said the Prime Minister was trying to distract the public and branded his opposition uh, pathetic. He said, Boris Johnson will take any opportunity he gets to start a culture war in this pandemic because he wants to distract from his government's relentless incompetence. Uh, Lammy thus succumbing to the irresistible urge to leap into the very trenches of the culture war he's criticising by drawing attention to the pointless fight that nobody knew needed having. (laughs) Point is, the proms haven't even finished yet and everyone's already outraged at what they assume will happen. (laughs) Hey, that's great, Alice. That was excellent. Now, a lot of people are saying that this whole thing is kind of due to the modernising of the proms. People are saying just, you know, dropping those two songs could just be effectively washed away by kind of bring it into 2020. If you had to retool the proms, what songs would you replace Rule Britannia with? Australians all let us rejoice, obvs. <laughs> I genuinely have no opinion on this. <laughs> now, we don't, we don't really have anything like the proms in Australia. Um, we, we Sometimes we had the symphony in the domain, but that's been cancelled over the last few years, even before the pandemic. They decided that was a bad idea. Uh, what would you have on an Australian program, James, for something like this? Oh, you know, I've seen Babe with a live orchestra and that was pretty good. I think Australians (laughs) get their classical music in in the most Australian way possible and there's more of it going on now than ever, which is on hold to Centrelink. That's where we (laughs) listen to our classical music. I think it's time we stop our cringing embarrassment about our history. This is a rational fear. Is it politically acceptable to sing Rule Britannia? Yes. Is Harry Potter sexist? No. 
Fear number two, there's been a lot of movement in the Australian supermarket industry recently this week. Coles prices are going down, down. Woolworths profits are going down, down. And Audi's emissions are going down, down, down. Audi has promised to be powered by 100% renewable energy from 2021. Does this mean when we're walking down the middle aisle, you'll be able to pick up some bread, milk and some solar panels? Lindo? I hope so. I mean, they're installing over 100,000 solar panels before, between now and the end of next year, which is pretty amazing. I feel like I've always shopped at Aldi because that's all I can afford as a millennial. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're onto something. They know what a good bargain is. Renewable energy. It's the cheapest form of energy that we have. It's bringing down power bills for them. So even though we're not buying and paying that much for food, I guess they're still making a profit. But, like, even though renewable energy becomes more and more of the energy market, is this going to be like a moot point in about, you know, a uh, five or six years' time. Soon every supermarket is basically going to be running on renewable energy, right? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I think that, you know, too often we think about supermarkets just being Coles and Woolworths and maybe like an IGA if you live somewhere regional. (laughs) But every time Aldi's done something that's been innovative, all of the other supermarkets that have followed. So hopefully this will mean that we'll get there before five or six years even. Uh, Do you reckon this could be politicised at all, James? Like in order to differentiate, will IGA come out and say that they're 100% powered by coal and the rest of you supermarkets are cucks? Well, you know, Woolworths is already powered by pokey money, so I guess that's enough of it. (laughs) Does it excite you at all, Um, Alice? Would this change your your purchasing decisions when you go to the supermarket? Would you make the trip to Audi because they are 100% powered by renewable energy? Oh, absolutely, it would affect my decisions. I just think it's going to be painfully ironic for the other big supermarkets uh, to be selling cheap knockoffs of Aldi's policies in a few years. I think that's going to be, they'll be selling solar panels. Uh, (laughs) Irrational fear! I did more for the black community than anybody with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln, whether you like it or not. Your fear is rational. Fear number three, if you're not aware of anything that's happening in America right now, it's because everything is happening in America all at once, all the time. This week, massive wildfires are raging in California. Two of the biggest hurricanes in years will make landfall on the Gulf Coast and protests over racial injustice continue to rage in cities right across the country. Some have been going for over 90 days. But one place in America where none of this exists is on stage at the Republican National Convention where if you just watched it, you could be for given that Donald Trump has made America great again. But just yesterday, the entire NBA cancelled their playoffs after the Milwaukee Bucks decided they would protest yet another police killing by not playing at all. James, what does this protest from the NBA and the WNBA players say about the state of politics in America? Oh, well, look, let's be clear here. I love basketball more than just about anything in the world, certainly more than I love some of my closest friends, definitely you included, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. If at the start of the year you told me the NBA playoffs would be suspended I and that I would think it was the right move, I would have called you a liar. Then, as you explained yourself, I would have admonished you for using a time machine to tell me about the NBA season and not say, stop the pandemic. No wonder I love basketball more than you, Dan. How many atrocities have you allowed to happen? I know some people were shocked by NBA players walking off the job to demand better conditions. If you're confused, I'd say join your union. They'll teach you all about it. But to go from the start of this, the NBA bubble in Orlando was built on in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement. The players made it clear that they would only participate if their voices could be heard to further the movement. Three quarters of NBA players are black people living in a systemically racist society. 
One of the Milwaukee Bucks players, Sterling Brown, is literally still in litigation right now with the police after they tased him, arrested him, and performed an illegal search on his vehicle for parking in the wrong spot. Mm. Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back in a town less than an hour from where the Bucks play. And while we're here, let's not pretend this is just an American problem because we're recording this on the day we discovered no charges will be laid over 10 days' death in custody. It was four years ago today that Colin Kaepernick first took a knee. Earlier than that, WNBA players were leading the way with pregame protests. As was noted a lot today, it is remarkable in 2020 that the NBA playoffs were halted, not because of the coronavirus, but because systemic racism was more of a danger. Hmm. But I have to say, I was surprised by all of this because just yesterday, on the I was on the Australian's website looking for cruise ship deals, and I read this headline, quote, <laughs> US election, Republicans' powerful message, quote, the US is not racist. It's quoting Nikki Haley, and it is undeniably a powerful message. It's just not fucking true. It's like if I were to say my lockdown home exercise regime was bench pressing a car. It's a powerful message, but it's not true. My exercise regime is isolating my biceps as I shovel chips in my mouth. (laughs) I was baffled and angry, so I did click on the article, which is how the Australian gets their page views, and I was taken to Greg Sheridan's column. Now, Dan, you know I'm a huge fan of Greg Sheridan's columns in the Australian. Big fan, big fan. You've got got a tattoo. I I love to kick back. Flick through the paper and find out which member of the clergy is actually innocent. Spoiler, all of them. (laughs) And it's always hard for me to pick a favourite part of Greg's column or indeed stay conscious, but this part stood out to me. But while the Democratic Convention became the Joe Biden family reality TV show, concentrating on his personal moments and almost terminal schmaltz, the Republican Convention concentrated on what Trump has achieved in his time as president. Promises made, promises delivered, end quote. Promises delivered like Uber Eats, but Mexico pays for it. But he's right. <laughs> the DNC was a family reality TV show, not like the RNC and its speakers, Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, Melina Trump, and Tiffany Trump, which is amazing because a Tiffany Trump appearance is so rare, she's technically a cryptid. The convention, <laughs> when you tuned in, opened with a big glossy video narrated by what remains of John Voight's brain with shots of the Lincoln Monument a president that Trump claims to have suffered more than, which is probably fair since Lincoln could at least go to the theatre and catch, well, half a show. And (laughs) there were speeches about how the president has been handling the pandemic and how a vaccine was on its way, which is at least what I think they said. It was hard to tell because the speakers had to appear remote due to the pandemic and the news cut away to that report on the death toll reaching 180,000 people. Uh, Highlights for me, Dan, Donald Trump Jr. gave one of the sweatiest performances ever recorded. He spent the whole time in a lather I would describe as the diametric opposite of Prince Andrew, who is a friend of one of his dad's friends. But Donald Trump Jr. stayed on message, the message being, how bad can the economy be if I can still afford this much cocaine? As for real RNC heads like me, you always want to stick around to catch Melania's speech. I remember seeing her speak at the 2016 Republican National Convention. Heck, I even remember seeing that speech in 2008 when Michelle Obama did it. Uh, There was Vice President Mike Pence. He delivered a keynote saying that the United States was going through a time of testing, which is bad news for Trump because that increases the virus numbers. Uh, Pence also claimed you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. Now, he doesn't feel safe going out to dinner alone with a woman, so maybe he's just jumpy, but it's frightening to imagine what could happen in Joe Biden's America. Violence in the streets, million unemployed, healthcare system failing under the strain of an untreated virus, 
sorry, I'm setting the scene from the current administration. So we have that, but then Joe Biden takes over and things could go bad. Um, And they say the modern Republican Party is a death cult, but that's not fair because death cults make sure their members have food and shelter. But they did have circus acts. They had uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who shouted loud enough that even Reagan could hear her from all the way down there. There was the couple who were literally only known for waving guns at peaceful Black Lives Matters protests who came on to talk about what it's like to live as a kind of overwrought political parody cartoon. Uh, the man responsible for not arresting the cops who killed Breonna Taylor wasted his time there instead of arresting the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. And Kellyanne Conway was there despite resigning only days ago because her daughter posted so hard that both she and her husband George had to quit their job. <laughs> Every day. But honestly, Dan, my review, mm. it didn't have the spectacle of a Trump rally. No. There was none of the excitement of looking through a crowd and trying to guess which one of them would turn out to be an active shooter. The TB president's convention was unusually sad and low energy. Still, with the playoffs postponed, I am going to have to watch it tomorrow, and they better pick it up. I want them to open with Ben Carson performing the show while doing brain surgery on himself. <laughs> so. Let Herman Cain's social media stuff go the full bloody weekend at Bernie's and trot him out on stage. And UFC President Dana White, who, yes, is actually speaking tomorrow, needs to take the chair that Clint Eastwood shouted at an invisible Obama on and smack it over Eric Trump's back in a sign of force. That's the American dream. Kill us, yes, but entertain us first. <laughs> that was great. I love James. you brought the WWE into the Republican um, convention. Well done. Well, Donald Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer, and that's not even a lie. <laughs> I mean, Dana White very famously uh, was one of the first sports uh, leaders to really make a difference in the coronavirus stakes because he was the one who hired an entire island to isolate his murderous men on in order that they could kill each other in in privacy and safety. (laughs) It is so interesting to, you know, you brought up the Herman Cain social media managers. Why did they even, you know, tweet while he was dead? Like, (laughs) I respect it. I I respect anyone who just, like, too many people put up a notes app apology and quit Twitter. I like someone who posts through it, even if the it they're posting through is death. Uh, My greatest fear (laughs) is that, you know, with what's happening in America, it could happen in Australia. You know, as as often does, we'd like to follow their trends. I have real problems with giving Australian athletes moral authority. Um, You know, I don't know how I'll deal with the Melbourne Storm advocating for a rising new start. I think that would be uh, (laughs) very difficult. I don't know. The Melbourne Storm have found themselves fantastic at grappling and keeping a set and set of books. <laughs> As someone who's not a big sports fan, I'm rarely aware of events in sport except when they're scandals or when they emerge as a forum for deep sociopolitical discussion. It gives me quite a positive view of sport. For me, it's just unusually proportioned people who do a lot of charity work respectfully explaining racial politics or men's mental health. <laughs> This is a rational fear. Our interview guest tonight is the Environment Minister for New South Wales, Matt Keane, joins us. G'day, Matt. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Now, this week you announced a brand-new national park near Barrow dedicated to koalas. It's named Gula Nagara, or Koala Country. What policies do you have in place to stop Koala Country rangers from getting chlamydia? Uh, Well, (laughs) it's a very good question. Uh, Look, uh, we know that our koalas are massively endangered. The primary uh, reason they're endangered is because of the loss and fragmentation of their habitat. But um, they're also massively under threat because, well, 
they keep spreading STIs and uh, <laughs> chlamydia is a massive problem in our koala populations. We've just had a parliamentary report in New South Wales. It was done uh, by, chaired by a member of the Greens and there was a cross-party committee on there. And they found that our koalas in New South Wales uh, will be extinct by 2050 unless we do something. Oh so when we talk about net zero, uh, we're not just talking about emissions. We're talking about our poor old koalas. And that's why I've just declared two national parks in New South Wales, which will protect key koala habitat forever. Is it the problem... Uh, for koalas, they've got so many STDs is because they've got twin tip penises? Uh, that is news to me, um, Dan, but <laughs> I, I'm going to rely on you for this one. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. They have twin tip penises. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute, Matt. Sorry, Matt. Are you telling me that you have done something good for an entire species pe- whose penis you have not closely examined? <laughs> I have not examined the penis of the koala, and for all the, the like swathes of advisors that I have around me, none of them have brought this to my attention. So, Dan, I thank you so much for bringing this to light today. I, I feel like I've learned something tonight. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. It's, it's absolutely true. Now, a recent report from the WWF said that Australia lost up to 3 billion animals in the 2019 and 2020 bushfires. Do you think we can beat that record in 2020, 2021? Well, I hope to God that we don't. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. So um, uh, the uh, the conditions were extraordinary last year. Yeah. And uh, I, I had the temerity to suggest that uh, this is exactly what the scientists told us would happen if we didn't do something about climate change. And guess what? It eventuated. So we need to take this seriously. We need to crack on with it. Otherwise, we're going to see more frequent, more extreme events like the one we saw last season. Your track record is pretty great on environment. And knowing some of the folks around New South Wales Parliament, they say that you are really great to work with on issues around climate change and emissions. Does this make you an endangered species in your own party? No, not at all. I mean, I I hope that um, sensible uh, people that want to put the science before populist uh, policy uh, will be the majority in the Liberal Party room. That's what we're working for. I'm hoping we're going to be like Brumbies in the National Park. So, I mean, this is, you know, I'm just trying to make decisions based on the science, based on the expert advice, based on the economics. And, you know, that's why we're doing what we're doing. I want to leave our planet better for our kids than we found it. We've got a long way to go. We haven't had a great track record and I'm doing my bit to try and reverse that. Why is that so – why do you sound so reasonable on a state level but on a a federal level it's a totally different story sometimes? Look, I can't can't explain uh, some of these people but – all I know is that I think that, you know, I, you know, they're conservatives. We're meant to be a conservative party and conservatives should be about conserving. Conservation. Uh, our precious <laughs> conservation, our precious assets. They want to conserve institutions. They want to conserve values. Why shouldn't they want to conserve the environment? So that's where I'm coming from. So this report we were talking about with New South Wales koalas, their situation actually got worse after the Howard era laws came in uh, because by most reports they were unenforced or not enforced nearly to the standard that they should have been. What I want to ask you is who do you think's a coward? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's, that's an easy way to kick this off, James. Um, look, I, I think the reality is that we have laws in place, environment laws, uh, for good reason, and they should be enforced. That's why in New South Wales, we have a strong environmental watchdog. It's called the EPA. 
And I recently suggested that they should do the same thing at the national level so we have consistent enforcement of environmental protections right across the country. And everyone's lost their minds over that seemingly reasonable and rational comment, uh, particularly given that it was handed down by the federal government's hand-picked uh, expert who's looked into this situation. So I'm going to continue to champion for a tough environmental cop on the beat at the national level so that we can ensure that we protect our important ecological and environmental assets. Now, the Premier this week accepted a report that climate change contributed to the 2019-2020 fires, um, which is, you know, it's great great to see that. With, now, without using the phrase, gas is a transition fuel, can you tell us why the New South Wales <laughs> government is expanding gas projects in New South Wales? Yeah, look, the future for New South Wales and indeed Australia, it's it's not gas, it's not coal, and you know, for all the crazy people out there, it's certainly not nuclear. Um, it's wind, it's solar, and it's pumped hydro, and that's exactly what we've set out in our electricity strategy. Right now, Dan, in the next 15 years, we're going to have to replace four of the five coal-fired power stations that we rely on for our energy. And we've got to do that. Um, the cheapest way to replace that is with wind, solar, pumped hydro and batteries, which are massively coming down the cost curve. Now, uh, we need to keep the lights on. We need to deliver electricity as cheap as possible. For a couple of years, I reckon gas could play a role. But, you know, the people trying to defend the fossil fuel industry are like defending Blockbuster in a Netflix world. <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, you know, a gas project... If people want to bet on that, good luck to him. But I reckon it'll be a white elephant pretty quickly. Now, how do you feel like working in this office, knowing that your colleagues in another city are kind of undermining the work you're doing bit by bit? Well, look, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe in the, the power of the market. Um, you know, the market has made up its mind on this. Um, they're not investing in coal. They're not investing in gas. Um, if people want to risk their capital and do so, good luck to them. But as I said, it'll be a white elephant. Everyone, capital has made up its mind. The market's made up its mind. The community's making it, made up its mind. The only people standing in the way are a couple of dinosaurs defending vested interests. You'd think that uh, dinosaurs would be against using their bones for fossil fuels. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Matt, speaking of dinosaurs, is, is koala country going to be anything like Jurassic Park? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> Jurassic Park was kind of dangerous. I, I, even though the koala has his two-pronged penis, I'm not sure that it's going to be quite that dangerous. So um, I don't know. With that new information you've given me, anything's possible. But uh, that's not the intention. We want to see koalas, not only the koala population in New South Wales, stabilised, we want to double it by 2050. So in order to do that, we're going to have to reserve a lot of land. We're going to have to... Uh, put a lot of money into research to fight chlamydia and infectious diseases. And we're also going to have to protect them from other threats like dogs and obviously um, human interference. So do you think at this moment, the party and indeed the government is at, let's say a koala penis of a fork in the road? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like that's exactly the analogy I was thinking. I mean, you know, we've got an opportunity right now. We're in a moment in history where the economics on clean energy on the environment have shifted. And we've got an opportunity to go down the path that will set this country up uh, for the future, create new jobs, create new opportunities and underwrite our prosperity, making sure that we're able to, our kids and their kids will be able to enjoy the same living standards that we have, our parents have and their parents have. Uh, so the opportunity is there if we want to take it. 
The other path is one where we can sit down our hands, pretend that these global megatrends aren't happening, ignore it, and let me tell you what will happen on, down that path. We will be a rust bucket state. We'll be less well off. There'll be less jobs and less opportunities. And that's not something that I think we should do. Well, Matt, thank you for joining us. And just to prove that I'm absolutely correct, here is a close-up of a koala uh, <laughs> penis. There it is there. This is a twin-tipped koala penis. <laughs> I can see that's it there. Normal, by the way. If, like, <laughs> we, we shouldn't feel ashamed. How did you have that so readily available? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say, let's just say I have a special folder board. ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not pulling your, not pulling your leg. You know, there, it actually exists. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Hey, Matt, thank you very much. That's about it for Rational Fear. Big thank you to Matthew Keane, Bronwyn Morgan, uh, Craig, for, who did the Craig Space voiceover, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline. Also, big thanks to Road Mikes and the Bertha Foundation, uh, Alice Fraser, James Colley and Lindo. Now, do you guys have anything to plug? Um, Matt, starting with you, do you have anything to plug? What I want to plug is that we're trying to set New South Wales to be an energy superpower to transition our grid away from fossil fuels to renewables, uh, not just to protect our environment because there's going to be so many economic opportunities. So let's get this done. Uh, Matt, if you want to plug two holes, do I have two <laughs> tips for you? <laughs> <laughs> and Alice Fraser, do you have anything to plug? Yes, I have a daily satirical news podcast called The Last Post. I have a weekly podcast called Tea with Alice. I regularly appear on The Bugle. Uh, I have various specials, Savage, available on Amazon Prime, various others, various other places. But follow me on patreon.com slash Alice Fraser for a behind-the-scenes look at my glamorous life. <laughs> it's been a big year for you, Alice. Uh, and Lindo, you got anything to plug? Yeah, um, anyone who's keen should definitely support the great crew at the Australian Youth Climate Coalition and the Seed Mob as they attempt to have 50,000 conversations about climate change next month. Um, to speak up for climate justice. You can check out their website in the show notes. Otherwise, it's speak up the four, like the number, because um, young people, climatejustice.org. <laughs> and by supporting Irrational Fear, you also support um, Seed Mob as well. We give them 15 bucks a month. And James Colley, do you have anything to plug? Um, I would like to firstly say that I have the cure for coronavirus. If anyone is interested, please DM me um, at Jam Colley. Uh, but in general, uh, tune in to the ABC 830s on Wednesdays and you've got a good chance that you'll find something I'm working on. Next week, we have our first greatest moral podcast of all time with Kevin Rudd. Matt Keane, I'm interviewing Kevin Rudd next week about climate change. Is there anything I should ask him about, about climate change? Uh, just why he didn't uh, stare down the trogs in his party and uh, push on with an ETS and uh, Australia might be in a different position. I will be asking him that, that's for sure. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. Good night.